Good evening, church. What a blessing and an honor to stand before you, bringing forth the um, bread of life, the Word of God. It is good that we are able to um, have a lectureship amongst the state because we haven't done this in a while. It's great to see um, our church family join together and then just a little partial, in all honesty. I was glad to see the Sodotna family up here with us as well. Um, I do, we don't normally, uh, let me give you just one quick announcement. Uh, and that is that uh, if you come in tomorrow and there's no parking, uh, we, we also use the bank parking lot. So if you uh, need to find somewhere to park, there's some mud back there by the fence area. Uh, please feel free to park over at the bank and, and all will be well. Another thing that I want to say to you is we don't normally... Ever, if you remember, I've been here 25 years of lectureships, and I don't remember ever on like a Friday night taking up a collection. But tonight, our brother Robert Kenning needs like $9.99. So, <laughs> if we could do that for him, that might... That, I mean, I wouldn't give it all to you, but I just thought the brother didn't want to participate in that, so... <laughs> I love my brother. <laughs> uh, I don't. Let's see. <laughs> so we we got you covered, Robert. Uh, it is just good to, good to be with you tonight. Let's please uh, go to our great God in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for this blessed occasion, for this day and this privilege to worship you, to hear your word, to fellowship one with another. To experience sweet fellowship. Lord God, we, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And we hold your name up high. What a wonderful time this is for, for your people to be able to draw together. To draw closer to you. Please draw us, Lord God. Help our hearts to be focused on you. Rid our minds of worldly thought. And help us, Lord God, to learn something tonight that gives us the strength to continue to fight the good fight of faith. Humble us, Lord God. Please save us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, if it be thy will. Amen. Brother Kenning, thank you for that lesson. It's always nice when a brother can kick a lectureship off as well as, as he's done. Tonight, my topic is, um, is a lot, lot easier, maybe, than Brother Kenning's. Lost sheep. Because my topic deals with a reality. A reality that we need to think about tonight and that I want to present to you and hope that it's something um, that we will consider. I would ask that you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. This is the text that was given to me. And the Bible says, beginning at verse 11, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If any man has a hundred sheep, and one of them has gone astray. Does he not leave the ninety and nine on the mountain and go in search for the one that is strained? God loves his people collectively and individually. And it just takes one. Just one sheep. 
for God to leave the 99 to go and get the insignificant one. The question is asked, Robert did a great job bringing that up, that God asks questions. What do you think, church? I'm going to come back to that in in just a moment. COVID has, um, doesn't matter what you think about or how you feel about it. The reality is that COVID has done its number on the church. I mean, things have changed. It's, our lives have been altered. We're trying to get used to this, this new norm. But here's a question that I want to ask you that Jesus asks of us. What do you think if one sheep has gone astray? Would you not leave the 99 and go after that one? Have we? done that that's what I want to come back to have we done that well it takes the right kind of attitude toward missing sheep there's the attitude of the good shepherd and then there's the attitude of the hireling right I want to turn to Ezekiel please chapter 34 that's the chapter if you will of of shepherding and shepherds the hireling doesn't really care. But the good shepherd always cares. And here's something that's important about this topic. It doesn't really matter why they went astray in the text. The only thing that matters to God is that they are astray. How does that resonate in my heart? I'm going to come back to that as well. Ezekiel chapter 34, beginning of verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity... You have dominated them. And they were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. And my flock was scattered over all the surfaces of the earth. And there was no one to search or seek for them. Why weren't the shepherds concerned about not only the sheep, but the scattered sheep? Why weren't the shepherds concerned about God's sheep? 
God's scattered sheep. Then I asked the question, am I like that? Am I a person who's not really concerned about God's scattered sheep? All over the world, not just in Anchorage or in Alaska, but all over the world. And then the question is, what are we doing about God's scattered sheep today? Are they important? To God. And God would say, every one of them equally are important to me. All of God's members, every one of us must be concerned and must go after all of God's wandering, scattered sheep. Without partiality, every sheep's important. Not just important, but 1 Corinthians 12 tells us they're not just important, but they're necessary, both the weak and the strong. He goes on to say in verse 7, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. And the shepherds ought to read this, right? All of the shepherds in the Lord's church ought to read this over and over and over and over and over again, Right? As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become a prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd, and my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I shall demand my sheep from them and make them ease or excuse me cease from feeding sheep so the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore but I shall deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be food for them go back to Matthew chapter 18 please after reading this we'll come back here in a moment in the context God calls the shepherds to account. And he says, oh, shepherds of Israel, what are you doing? Right? Why are my sheep scattered? And look at you. Why are you over there eating when my sheep are out there starving? Why are you over here playing when my sheep over here are suffering? Why do you even call yourself a shepherd? Right? Okay, let's come back. So Jesus asked the question, church. What do you think? I'm going to ask you when you go back to your respective congregations and you sit in your pew, whether it's the gold member pew up in the front or the, you know, when you sit in your assigned seat, when you, when you sit, I'm going to ask you to look around and ask the question, where are all the sheep? I remember when brother so-and-so used to sit right here. And sister so-and-so used to sit right next. And then, where are those sheep? And then ask the question, what have I, or what am I, willing to do about it? Verse 12, Matthew 18. What do you think? If anyone or any man has a hundred sheep, and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine on the mountain and go 
and search for the one that is strange. I don't know. Does he? Do we? I, I know. It, well, you know, um, it's the preacher's job. It's, it, it's the elder's job. It's somebody else's job, right? I want to talk about those sheep in just a minute. Luke chapter 10, please. I want to talk about those sheep. Because sometimes we... Um, we begin to say things like, well, it's not really my responsibility. But I'm going to ask you a real personal question. Where are your children? Where's your wife? Where's your husband? Your father, your mother, your brother? Your sister. Where are they? It's personal. And it's not just personal amongst family, but where's my friend? Where are you? Are our children, remember years ago, years ago, all the children in the youth group, and they grew up, and where are they? Are they in denominations today? Are they on the mountains today? Where are they? Where are the children? Where are they? It's personal. It's time to leave the 99 and go and get the one. Right? Luke 10, verse 36. Which of these three... Do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same. So I guess before we can continue on with the lesson, I guess the question must be asked. How much mercy do you have in your heart, church? Because see, it takes, it takes effort to leave the 99 and to search, to seek. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes time. It takes mercy. Because you never know where you're going to find them. So then why? We, we, could, we could say this heard this. Well, why don't the lost sheep just come back? They know where we are. You ever heard that before? You say, no, I've never heard it. You probably said it. <laughs> why don't they just come back? They know where we are. I mean, the signs out there, the doors are open. Okay, well, let's talk about, about literal sheep for just, for just a moment. I know you know this already, but I just want to talk to you for just a moment. And that is this. I'm going to say a few things. You know, most sheep don't even realize they're lost. Right? Sheep just eat and eat, graze and graze and graze and eat and eat and graze and graze and graze and eat and eat. And then one day, one moment, they look up and go, huh, where'd everyone go? <laughs> and then you think they say, well, let me go find the herd. No, they just say, well, I'm still hungry. So they just keep on eating. Right? Silly animals there. Sheep are followers. They're not leaders. 
It just, one, one sheep wanders off right next to the wolf. The other sheep say, hey, that's a good idea. They just follow the other sheep. They're followers, not leaders. And they flee. They flee whenever they're afraid. That's like their defense mechanism, if you will, that God put in them. They just, it's time to run. They just all run. They just, they run when they find themselves afraid. And they're very inquisitive. There's something about their eyes that, you know, the eyes are kind of crooked or something. And when they, and they just can't see very well. So they're always getting too close to stuff. You know, bad stuff, right? And then sheep also, um, you'll find that they're easily panicked. They stress. I mean, they just, they stress so easily. And you go, what old sheep, silly animal. And then someone even said, those are some stupid animals. And then the preacher said, you know, God called us sheep, right? <laughs> well, they're not that stupid. <laughs> right? They're not that silly. Oh, Oh, how God wants us to wake up. It's a big world out here, brother. I mean, it's really a small world, isn't it? But when you get lost and walk away from God, it's a, it's a big, it's a big, scary world. And, and you've seen this, that maybe one Christian might wander off and take a few with them. You ever notice that? Right? One Christian wanders off in the church. They got their own reasons, right? Usually it's the preacher, right? And they wander off and go somewhere else and they take a few folks with them because sheep are followers. We find also amongst the brethren that, that Christians will flee when they're afraid, won't they? Someone said, well, give me an example. C-O-V-I-D-19, right? Right? Come on. Y'all know it's true. We, we, we fled. We scattered. Like sheep, we're inquisitive. We always want to know what everybody else is doing. Instead of being wrapped up into what we're supposed to be doing. And sheep, sheep, they, they, you know, sheep, they say, they, they, don't, they don't walk straight. And, and let's be honest, it, it's difficult for us even to stay on the straight and narrow, Right? <laughs> And sheep are easily panicked and stressed. How many of us want to sign up for that one? Do not worry. Okay, Lord. <laughs> when does that start, God? <laughs> right? Now? Oh. And he gave us whole chapters on stress and worry. The main point of my topic tonight is to bring us to this. Lostness. You still believe in that? The Bible does. Do we still believe in lostness? So when we think about it, I want right now, for just, just for this point of the lesson and forward, I want you to think about lostness and what that means. So we look at Matthew 18 again and verse 12 in our, in our text. And he, he talks about the sheep. And he talks about the sheep wandering and, and he asked the question in, in this text here. He asked the question, what do you think? Now, let's, let's look at this from a spiritual perspective now. What do you think? If a man has a hundred 
people. And one of them goes off to Satan. Does he not leave the 99 people to go and get that one child away from Satan? That's, that's what Jesus is talking about. Lostness. Dying lost. That very real, scary subject, that topic that resonates in our heart, that idea and understanding that the majority of people are going to die lost. And that goes for the church as well. Lostness. It has become, if you will, an unwelcome conversation that leaves a bad taste sometimes in our mouths. The subject of lostness has been accused of being hate speech, negative speech. It has been accused of being judgmental. But it's got to be viewed as truth because it's true. Lostness. So our, our brethren, we're going to Matthew 7, please. Our brethren, our children, our children, our friends, our parents, our sister, our brother, may die lost and not make it into heaven. And experience the fires of hell for eternity. What do you think? If you knew your brother were going to die lost and experience the fires of hell for eternity, what do you think? What are you willing to do about that? In Matthew 7, Jesus begins speaking on this very difficult subject. In verse 13, and he, and he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who will enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and a few thereof who find it. And then he, in verse 21, he, he says, and keep in mind, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, 
You who practice lawlessness, but, but Lord, that's my brother. What do you think? And then Matthew 23 in verse 15. Woe are you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel about on sea and land to make one a proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. Lostness. Does still exist? First Corinthians chapter 6, please. Does, does hell still exist? Oh, preacher, we didn't come to hear a hell fire and brimstone sermon. It's not. I'm just talking about people that are dying lost. Because Jesus said, if one sheep goes astray, this subject is so serious. I'll leave the 99 to go and save that one. And I'll tell you something. If you're ever that one, you'll be so thankful that somebody reached down and snatched you from the fire. And you know God is so good. It doesn't matter what we do out there, the prodigal son, right? It doesn't matter what we do out there, how we lived out there. God said, I've got grace for all of you. If you walked away, come back home. Sin is destroying us. First Corinthians 6, verse 9. The Bible says, Or oh, do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? I know we read that and you go, yeah, but that's the world. No, we're talking about brethren, church. Look at some brethren who walked away. We know the unright. We know the wicked aren't going to get there. We know those who are not members of the body aren't going to get there. What about us? Am I living an unrighteous life? Have I walked away from God? Am I the one? The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither... Neither fornicators, nor, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infinite, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor thieves, nor, nor swindlers, revilers, shall inherit the kingdom. That's the one of God. And how do you know, how do you know we're talking about the church? Because verse 11 says, and such were some of you. Well, whether you came out from outside the world to Jesus or whether you were with Jesus and you walked away from Jesus, such were some of you, but thank God for that conjunction. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. Galatians 5. All the scriptures that we know, we rehearse. These scriptures. I want you to think about these scriptures. Remember, if this is written to the church, in light of the, the, the person, the child of God, the loved one who walks away from God, they're struggling, church. Doesn't matter why they walked away. You can look at all the sins. It doesn't matter why they walked away. The fact of the matter in the parable was this they're astray. We got to go get them. Walking, if you will, away from the fruit of the Spirit. Walking away from the Spirit and walking into the hands of Satan. And in Galatians 5 and verse 19, the deeds of the flesh. The Bible says the deeds of the flesh are evident. Which are immorality and impurity 
and sensuality. Let me just stop for a moment. How many times you see this, right? Where our young folks, they get a girlfriend, a boyfriend, they grow up, and they leave the church, and they're living together. The deeds of the flesh, church. Go get the one. Idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like which of these which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you that those who practice. You see how real this subject is? Such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's scary. Second Thessalonians, please, chapter chapter one. I just want to show you. I want to show you. I want you to know how serious this topic is. The lost, the lost sheep, Marietta Little Lamb was no people. Verse 8 of chapter 1, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes to be glorified in His saints on that day, he marveled at among all who had believed for our testimony to you was believed. First Peter 4 and verse 17. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 17. You're going to love this scripture. Scary. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God. And if it's with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Lostness still exists in the word of God. And we see it. We've witnessed it. Revelation, please, 21. We've witnessed it. Some of you have been there before. What think ye? One sheep goes astray. Do not leave the 99 to go get that one. Sometimes we're just too prideful to go get the one, aren't we? You know, well, you know, I know, but, that, but God's not. God said, I'd, I'd gladly leave the 99 to rescue the one because I know what's coming. Verse 8, the Bible says, But the cowardly and unbelieving, the abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So let's be honest. Do you know someone? You think back to where you sit. Do you know someone who's gone astray? And then you might ask this question. What has your attitude been like toward them when you see them out in the streets? What will your attitude be like now? 
Second Peter, please, chapter 3. God doesn't want anyone to die lost. Are you like God? He said, be like God, right? Church, we shouldn't want anyone to die lost. Someone says, well, give me a motivator, a motiv- you know, motivating reason I should live a, a godly life and make sacrifices because I want to save my neighbors and I want to save my family and I want to save my friends and I want to save everybody. I want to be a part of God's kingdom in the positive to help people to come to Jesus. That's my motivation. What's your motivation? Why am I talking to this person who's gone astray? I'm talking to you because I want to I wanna help you because I need help. Robert, that's why I don't put my own slides together, because I need help. They'd be all over the place. I need help. How about you? Sometimes lost sheep don't realize they're lost. See, all of us need help. Every one of us needs help. It doesn't matter your, your financial status in this life. It doesn't matter your status in the world. It doesn't matter who you are. All of us need help. All of us. God says, the Lord, verse 9, is not slow about his promises. As some count slowness or slackness. But is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Everybody. He's patient. And then it goes on to say, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people are you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. God's question is, what kind of person are you to be? And then what do you think about the one who went astray? Now I could sit here like Brother Brother Kenny and I could straighten up my tie and, and I can look pretty for you because my wife dresses me. But um, I can't stop the coming of the Lord. Everyone will not go to heaven. I am okay. You're okay. That doesn't work. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus says, I don't want my sheep to die lost. Go get them. Go get my sheep. You talking to me, Jesus? I'm talking to you, Tony. Well, you know, Lord, I... I um, so I haven't even... No, you know, I, mean, I can make up a thousand excuses, can't I? Church, it doesn't matter the reason the sheep went astray. That's pride right there. When you start thinking about why they went, well, you know, they, they were, you know, and we start making... No, it doesn't matter why they went astray. It was Satan who captured them. Let's go get them. And now's a great time, right? I mean, this couldn't have been maybe the, the better time ever to preach, preach a sermon like this because, yeah, COVID hit us, and I know we're struggling. The churches all over the world are struggling, but you know what? We can go get them back. 
Right? We can remember uh, sheep scatter when they're afraid. The lost, the lost sons. It's Luke chapter fifteen. It's it's the parable of the prodigal son, and I, I like to personally call it the lost sons because both of them had their bout with with lostness. Right, both the boy in the house and, and the boy who left the house. Luke 15 is all about lostness. And, and then it's about the victory, right? The victory is over the one that goes astray and comes back, right? There's no victory if you don't come back. The victory, the, the joy is over the one who comes back to God. And they, they don't come back by themselves. They need help. Right? And so Luke 15, beginning of verse 3, and he told them this parable saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And there's a lot in there, right? Why do you leave ninety-nine sheep in an open pasture with wolves out there? And we can go back and explore that, but that's not my text tonight. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing, and then he shakes it and says, Why'd you go ashamed? No, he doesn't do that. Right? No, he, he doesn't. He loves it. He loves it. And the text says, And when he comes home, he calls together all his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I tell you that there, in the same way, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Okay. Allow me to give you the, the context. And then we'll, we'll wrap, we'll, we're wrapping this up right now of Matthew chapter 18, please. Matthew 18. About folks who are, who are going astray. Things that, that happen. Why don't, don't, why don't the lost sheep just... Just come back, right? Well, let, let's look at the context and let's think about some ideas as to why the lost sheep just don't, they don't just come back, right? Why aren't they here tonight? You know, we put it out there on the page. It's everywhere. Why aren't they here on Sunday? Why aren't they? At that time, verse 1, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Pride. Isn't it interesting that he starts out with pride to get to his point? Later on, and all over you know, Matthew 13, he starts giving these parables, and, 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 and here he, he starts out with pride. You know, pride is one of the problems we have in the church. Why don't lost sheep come back? Well, some, sometimes we, I'm a little too proud to admit I made a mistake, and I did wrong. I don't know what those folks are going to think of me when, they, when I get in the door. I don't know how they're going to receive me. I'm just too prideful for this, and if I walk into the, and that's where we can help in the church. Someone has gone astray. The way we receive them will make all the difference in the world. Thank you, brother. I must need that. Um, and when he called a child to himself and set it before him and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as his child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And so God wants this place to be like a, a big old playground, if you will. When they come back, we're excited. Right? Just want to play with them. 
Come on home to Jesus. Or will pride make me say, look at them. I can't believe they came back. They had the nerve to come back here. Verse 6, pride. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it is better for him that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and that he be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks. For it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to that man through whom the stumbling block comes. Sometimes I'm the reason they went astray. Hmm, church. Sometimes it's us. I don't know what it is about us. Whatever it is that happened, something happened. And they went astray. Verse 8. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into the fiery hell. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. Sometimes it's my own internal weakness. Something in me, in my brain, in my thinking, is causing me to stray. What think ye? Two more scriptures and I'll let you go. Back to Ezekiel, please. I want to show you how faithful God is. Chapter 34. God is so faithful, church, that if, if you don't want to do it, that's all right. God will take care of it. God will save his people. God's going to say, I'm not saying leave the one out there, but I'm just saying that God will find a way. Esther, Mordecai said, if you, if you don't do something, don't think you're safe in this, in this palace. But if you don't do something, don't worry about it. God will find a way. What think ye? What think ye, church? Beginning at verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out as a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he's among his scattered sheep. So I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. Like I said, it doesn't matter where they've been. God said, I'll go get them. I'll go pick them up. In verse 13, and I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from their, the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and all the inhabitants places in the land or of the land. God says, I got them covered. I will feed them in a good pasture and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down in good grazing ground. And they will feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken and strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. God loves his people. And he'll do anything to get us back. 
And you know what he did? Let's go to Matthew chapter 9 and we'll close. You know what he did? He died an inhumane death. He willingly suffered and gave himself because of me. And I'm ashamed of that, aren't you? I'm ashamed of that. Because of me, because I was so selfish, so wicked, so evil. And I made life all about me. I didn't care about anybody else. Does that ring a bell, church? What think ye? One, one sheep sitting in that chair by themselves. Will you go over there? I'll tell you something, brethren. If there's one brother sitting in that chair over there by themselves, do you know how many of us will walk past that person and not even give him a greeting? What thank ye, church? What are we going to do about it? My final point is this. You know what it takes to go and seek and save the lost? A heart of compassion. Picking up my brother, my brother left off. Verse 35, and I'll let you go. And Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness and seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Don't you think that people who fall away aren't downcast? They don't want to be out there. Most of them don't want to be out there. They just want to know we care. Go get them. Jesus said, I feel compassion for them. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. What think ye? If one sheep should go astray, will he not leave the 99 in the open field and go get the one? Why don't you answer that question to Jesus? God bless you. The lesson is yours.